Hello everyone and welcome to today's webinar. Uh, it's just gone one o'clock so I'm just going to give everyone a chance to join. Uh, do feel free to drop into the Q&A box and say hi. Um, we've disabled the chat feature as we've discovered it can cause problems for some people using screen readers. So I'll just give it a couple more moments for more people to join. Okay, uh, we'll make a start now. So welcome to the 18th session in our Accessibility Insights series uh, where uh, AbilityNet's Head of Digital Inclusion, Robin Christofferson, hosts a monthly online chat with individuals who are each working to improve digital accessibility and digital inclusion. This month, he's chatting to Anita Mortoloni, who is Director of Access Accessibility for Xbox at Microsoft. I'm Annie Mannion, and I'm Digital Marketing Manager at AbilityNet, and I'll be running you through uh, today's session. So just to go through a few bits of housekeeping, uh, we have live captions provided today by MyClearText. Um, you can turn on the captions using the CC control panel option. And additional captions are available via streamtext.net forward slash player question mark event equals AbilityNet. Uh, slides are available at slideshare.net forward slash AbilityNet and also on our website at abilitynet.org.uk forward slash Xbox dash webinar. Uh, if you have any technical issues or you need to leave early, don't worry, you'll receive an email in a couple of days time with the recording, the transcript and the slides. And then depending on how you joined the webinar, um, you should find a Q&A window. So if you'd like to ask Anita or Robin any questions, do drop those into the Q&A window and um, they will address those after today's session in a follow up blog on our website, uh, again at forward slash Xbox dash webinar. And then we also have a feedback survey you'll be directed to at the end. So um, if you are able to answer that um, and complete that at the end, that would be great. So that's all from me for now. So over to Robin and Anita. Fantastic. Thank you, Annie. Anita, welcome. Nice to be here. Really glad to have you on. Thank you so much. Um, I have to make a confession up front, which is I'm not a gamer. And maybe that's because, I don't know, they haven't been hugely accessible to a blind person like myself before. But uh, yeah, we're going to discuss about how things are changing quite rapidly uh, as part of our conversation. So let's start off with a, a very cheesy question that we always ask our guests, which beverage, hot or cold, have you got to help you get through this ordeal? Hopefully it's not an ordeal and it is fun like gaming, um, but I have coffee because it is perfect for early mornings here in Seattle. Usually it's a lot rainier and gloomier, but today we have a little bit of sunshine. So coffee, nice and warm. Wow, that's great. I am usually very big on coffee, but I'm trying to um, get rid of the, the coffee addiction. It's the headaches thing. So I am pro properly addicted, basically. So this is just hot water. Yeah, I know. Anyway, so hopefully I'll get through this. Um, <laughs> yeah, thanks. Okay, so let's start off with another question that we always put to our guests, which is what in their opinion, in your opinion, has been the kind of major changes in the landscape of accessibility over the last 10 years, because an awful lot has happened so much has happened in the last 10 years, and which makes me very excited for what's going to happen in the next 10 years. Mm -hmm. uh, so 
when I look back in the last 10 years, we, we have seen a much greater awareness and understanding of what it takes to make something accessible. We have seen the framework of inclusive design take hold, the idea of solve for one, extend to many, really resulting in accessibility being built into more products, into the games, into the consoles, and not just bolted on at the end. It's part of the experience, the customization, the options that are available for people to use. And then just the greater realization that accessibility features have a wide benefit, helping many people beyond the intended audience. And seeing people use those features has been an incredible thing to watch over the last many years. Absolutely. Yeah. Hand in hand with kind of a, a broader appreciation of accessibility, you know, in general. But I'm so glad that gaming has, uh, you know, kept pace and in many ways led the way. So, um, yeah, let's talk about Xbox then. Xbox and kind of gaming in general. Where do you think, you know, it's uh, accessibility and the considerations to do with inclusive gaming kind of fits into the broader landscape? But what a great question to start out with. And I, I kind of liken it to, we, we hear a lot of times the idea of a journey and what's like, what's the journey of accessibility that you've been on? And I love that metaphor because it's very much like gaming. Of course you want to beat the game at the end and get to the end and win and tackle it. But part of the play that is involved in gaming is enjoying these smaller wins throughout the game. The people you meet, the experiences that you have and tackling the challenges that come up. And that's very similar to what we see across the industry as a whole. Xbox continues to look for ways to expand our accessibility efforts because we know that journey, it's a journey and there's way more to do, but we're committed to making gaming more inclusive and welcoming for all our players. So maybe um, if I can share a brief journey of what's that looked like in Xbox. Um, if I rewind a bit, maybe to the mid 2000s, which seems like a lifetime ago, given everything over the last couple of years, um, accessibility in gaming really started with a few passionate individuals that were advocating for accessibility in Xbox. They engaged with developers and designers and community members to start building that foundation. About that time, the Kinect came out and the team started getting questions like, can I play that with a wheelchair? What if I'm missing an arm? And it highlighted the impact and the need of accessible design for players with disabilities. Fast forward to something you may have heard, heard of, the Xbox Adaptive Controller, small little thing in the gaming world. Um, that was also initiated by a group of individuals with close ties to the community, addressing that gap of players unable to use the standard controller due to motor disabilities. And then the Super Bowl, came, Bowl commercial came out with the tagline, when everyone plays, we all win. And that was that moment where it highlighted when you put players at the start, at the center of everything that we do and bring in accessibility, like innovation sparks at like a global scale. And so that was followed by things like Copilot, being able to link two controllers together, accessibility features in our titles, from audio ping, steering assist, console features, 
And I think we'll get into some more of the recent announcements later, but it really shows that if we highlight at the beginning, at the core of what we do is the community. So throughout the whole journey, it's been about people, the players creating that community and those individuals that identified a gap and felt confident and safe and to pursue that and figure out how we remove those barriers to play. Absolutely. And that adaptive controller proved popular in the broader gaming community as well. I think I've heard about people smashing their PBs because it's just that much more configurable, easy to use. Have you heard that? Oh, absolutely. It's really, and this can be translated to accessibility in general. It's about options and giving people the way to play or use software, hardware, whatever they're using, how they want to play or how they need to use it because not everybody's different and everybody experiences things in life differently. So providing those options has been critical. Absolutely, absolutely. So yeah, let's talk about accessibility in gaming and kind of some of the big leaps that have happened in recent months. Would you agree that there's been some pretty great, you know, amazing developments? Oh, absolutely. We, it is a really exciting time to be in gaming and accessibility where the bar keeps getting raised higher and higher because we get feedback from the community and the momentum is just building and it's fantastic. Uh, so let me share a couple leaps because since you asked, um, of course, we'll start with a game title. Um, Forza Horizon 5 just came out, which um, had a chance to play with the family over the long holiday weekend. It was great to be able to, you know, drive through and experience that with my kiddo that can't quite drive yet. Um, but one of the things, and I think this speaks to where we've come as an industry, is the team partnered with the disability community and used the Xbox accessibility guidelines to implement those accessibility features. They put the players at the center of the project and it shows on the outcome of where the game ended up. When it came, came to accessibility features, they have so many different options to customize how you can play. There's game speed modification, so you can adjust how fast you go, because not everybody wants to race at 200 miles per hour. And you have customizable subtitles, high contrast, color blindness mode, as well as um, button remapping. But the thing that one of the things I love about it is the accessibility features, the options are available right at the start. You don't have to go search and find them. That should not be part of the game experience. They're just there. So you can explore it, customize your experience, and it's right at the start. But if we were to sp speaking of discoverability and being able to find those accessibility features, the next, I think, really big leap that we've had in the last couple of months is the accessibility feature tags. This is another project that stemmed from the community itself. Over the past many years, one of the questions that we've gotten a lot is what game can I play? Because it can be incredibly frustrating to buy a game and find out minutes in that you can't play it because it doesn't have one of those critical features that you need or get almost all the way to the end and find out you can't beat the game because some new mechanic was introduced that doesn't have the accessibility features or options that you need. 
And so we wanted to provide a way to easily answer that question for folks and be able to highlight the accessibility features that are within titles. And so now recently rolled it out in the past month that titles, if they have accessibility features and the publisher has you know, tagged them in the store are now tagged with those accessibility features. And so players can go and see what features they want or need and then find games that have those features. And I love that because it makes it easier for players with disabilities to find the next game that they will love, knowing it meets their needs from the beginning. Absolutely. Something as simple as, you know, can you just use a single stick input or can you remap inputs in this game? Because, you know, that user knows that they're not going to get on if, unless they can do that. So absolutely. I wish they would do that for the iOS app store. They would have accessibility tags because I've spent quite a lot of money only to find that I'm not able to use that particular app. And yes, you can, you know, the returns policy is there, but it's not straightforward. So to know in advance, I think that's such a powerful thing. And I think that's unique to Xbox, I think so. So yeah, amazing. So um, how do you kind of encourage the gaming industry and the studios that are building these fantastic, you know, console titles to um, be aware of accessibility, to engage in accessibility? How do you support them as Xbox, as Microsoft on that journey? What a great question. A lot of the, what do we do really comes from the community. It's the people that are playing the games. You, when, you, when you create a game, if it's a hardware or an app, you want people to use it. And so being able to hear from the community and make sure that it is available and usable by as many people as possible really is the goal. But to do that, uh, in addition to listening to the community, um, one of the things that we find is really, really critical is being able to support those game creators and make it easy to understand what is game accessibility? How do you include it? Where do you include it? Because just like, taking all that time to find a game that you can actually play, development time or design time for game creation is, is, is limited. People wanna go actually create the stuff and not spend all of their time doing the research and figuring it out. And so very similar to the question we got on the accessibility tags of what game can I play? The question that led to our Xbox accessibility guidelines uh, really stemmed from the Xbox Adaptive Controller was from the developer community saying, where do I start? How do I make my game more accessible? Help me out. And that's when the accessibility team at Xbox came around in, launched in 2019 after partnering with the community and developers and industry to create the Xbox accessibility guidelines, a set of best practices that outline what it means to have accessibility in your game, personas impacted, implementations, and really the why behind all of it. I most recently updated with game examples and additional clarification. And then on top of that, the team realized that a resource was needed to really explain what are the barriers to play and what and how do you what are the facilitators to remove those barriers? So the Gaming and Disability Player Experience Guide is created to outline that across all the disabilities and also include examples of 
situational circumstances, which we have found as a good entry point for people to realize, oh, I use that too. There's a, like a broader audience of individuals that use accessibility features and really sparks the implementation of that into the development cycle. And then most recently we created the um, gaming accessibility fundamentals course. It's a 100 level course of what is game accessibility? How do you collaborate with the community? What are best practices around hardware or apps or titles into a short free external course that can prove out your game accessibility knowledge? And so really making those available outside of Xbox to the industry, because we believe the more people that know about game accessibility and how to implement it, the more accessibility features will get into the game. And it's just a win for the community all up. Wow. I mean, that's so brilliant that it started with the users, you know, to inform that process. And, you know, those are brilliant guidelines and those resources hopefully will see significant take up in, you know, across the different studios and um, design houses. So, yeah, absolutely. Let's look broader then, like the, the broader digital community. Do you think they have something to learn from this accessible approach to gaming? You know, is the kind of broader lessons to learn here? Yes. And we learn a lot from the industry as well, of course. Uh, one of the things that has worked really well in gaming, and you just touched on this a little bit as well, is putting the player, the creator at the center of what we do and focusing on things that are core to who we are, like just as humans, play, connection. Um, the Xbox Adaptive Controller Super Bowl commercial captured the idea when everyone plays, we all win. And we know that play is a fundamental human need. And we strive at Xbox to make it fun, available to the billions of people around the world, including the 400 million gamers with disabilities. And by creating gaming experiences that everyone can enjoy and see themselves as a hero, we get to continue to expand that community and bring in more perspectives. Because we know that inclusion is about people and in the context of accessibility it's not for people but it's really with players with disabilities which is why the other thing is we recommend is to actively seek out perspectives from the start partner with the community bring like co-develop and or create feedback channels. Um, one of the examples we have of that is the Xbox Accessibility Insider League, ZAIL for insiders. Um, it has over 80,000 members who self-identify as having a disability or are an ally of the community. And so it's a channel where our engineering teams can ask questions, get feedback early on accessibility features, and that feeds right back in to the development cycle. And so yeah, I would say putting players at the center, figure out the core of what you do, and then continue to learn alongside the industry. Gaming is unique, but so are a lot of other areas in the industry as well. And there's a lot of sharing that can happen between all of us. Wow. So let's talk about the future then. So we kind of talked about where, how we got to where we are today. I bet the future is really exciting. So what do you see as the kind of future for gaming within your teams, within the industry more broadly, and you know where does accessibility fit in? Hopefully, 
in you know in everything that you guys do and that the industry does going forward because it just seems so hot at the moment you know let's not lose that momentum are you excited yes it's totally excited and you took my answer like except that's okay um but accessibility should absolutely be part of it and i don't think it should be like my hope it's not a fad thing like it, it continues to be here it's hot now it should be hot for very, very, very long time because it needs to be critical and included in everything that we do. When when I think about the, the future of gaming and where we're going, uh, one of the things that I love about gaming is it transports you into different worlds and experiences that you might not otherwise have encountered in the real world or get to meet people that you may never have encountered. and for us to provide that experience, that opportunity to play and connect with as many different people as possible. It's really only possible by including accessibility into the games, into the ecosystem and removing those barriers to play. So as we think about what that means for the future of gaming, we know that how people play changes over a day, a week, a month, a lifetime. Like we know that, and obviously technology does as well. Uh, just look at how much has changed with the pandemic and the shift to remote work, like incredible changes over the last couple of years. So regardless of what happens with technology, accessibility, just like our players, as you mentioned in the question, um, really has to be front and center so that we can include all those perspectives, make sure that as many people as possible can enjoy wherever we go with technology and then continue to engage and partner with the community. Wow, brilliant, absolutely, I'm excited. You know, I think gaming might be open to me. I've never, you know, I used to like it when I could see back in the days of, uh, you know, the um, Sega Mega System <laughs> things. And, um, <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe. So, I um, want to push you on that. Like, I find it hard to believe that you are not a gamer at all. Like, I don't know if you play Candy Crush on your phone, lawn darts, Scrabble. There has to be some game. Text that adventures. That there you go. My boxes. Absolutely. Yeah. Let's you... make them more immersive, though, and which is what, obviously, more modern games are all about. So, yeah. I have so you're a gamer. Option. Yeah. I have that option to um, look at the tags in the Xbox store and and see what may be possible for a completely blind person. So, yeah, fantastic. OK, few minutes left then. Yeah. The usual thing. Last month's guest, I'm going to put a question to you and for a quick response and then also to ask you to pass on something to next month's mystery guest, I'm afraid. But anyway, um, so Ted Drake of Intuit, absolutely brilliant guy. Um, had this question for you. He's talking about um, accessibility in gaming, fantastic, but to actually represent diversity within the games themselves is kind of a level up still. And so he was wondering, you know, Hellblade, for example, very sensitively deals with psychosis. Um, are there any other initiatives or areas of development in your industry that you think are, you know, examples of good practice when it comes to representing diversity within the games? First, 
pass on a thank you to Ted. Fantastic question. And I think how it's framed really highlights something that Hellblade sensitively incorporated psychosis. It didn't just include it, but they were intentional about bringing it in to the story, the gameplay. They based it and it grounded it in the research and talking with people. And we've seen similar trends with Psychonauts 2 and how they approach mental health with care, ensuring accurate representation. Um, or see a solitude exploring the journey of loneliness. And we're really seeing that as a trend, not just including disabilities or the concepts of it, but doing it in a way that offers true representation, grounded in research, talking with people and making sure that it's authentic and it's part of the whole storyline. And then just the expansion of what accessibility features are, what falls under accessibility. Great example of that is the video game Grounded um, has spiders really tiny and there's spiders everywhere that come out of the grass blades. Um, but if you have arachnophobia, may not be the funnest game for you to play, um, but there is an accessibility feature for arachnophobia mode where you can take off the legs of the spiders and it makes the spiders a little bit less scary. And so one of the trends we're seeing is just more options and what really considering what are the barriers to play and how do we remove that for players, even if it's something like arachnophobia mode? Wow, I had no idea. That's, that, that is great. That is really, really good. A lot of thoughts gone in. And I was so glad you said it was based on research, you know, really good research and not just what those people think it's like to be, um, to you know, have those lived experiences. So fantastic. Okay. Like I say, it's a mystery guest next month. We haven't confirmed who it is quite yet. So unfortunately, I'm going to have to ask you to give quite a general question to pass on to our next guest around accessibility, around gaming, whatever you like. Well, I should ask them what their favorite game is, but let me dig a little bit more. Um, bonus so you've bonus question. We'll do that. Yeah. We'll get for perfect bonus question. Yeah. Um, so you've talked and asked a lot of questions around industry inclusive approach and Ted had the question about bringing in experiences and abilities into gaming. And we've talked a lot today about putting the players at this and creators at the center of everything we do and actively parting, partnering with the community. So for the next guest speaker, whoever they may be, um, the question I would pose to them is how do you foster a culture that welcomes and respects those diverse perspectives where people feel safe to explore that, bring them in and move the industry forward? And in the same vein, why is it so critical to have representation hire people with disabilities as part of the culture? Nice. Really good. Fab questions. They will be passed on. Thank you so much indeed. Really, really enjoyed it. So uh, thank you for giving us your time. And I'm sure that um, there will be loads of questions that are going into the Q&A that will be covered off. Um, I'm sure Annie's going to tell us a little bit more about that. But yeah, before I pass over to Annie, thank you again. Really, really enjoyed our chat. Thank you as well. This was fantastic and look forward to answering all the questions that come up. Brilliant. Thanks, Anita. And we'll pass back to Annie. Yeah, thank you so much. And um, 
Anita and Robin, and there are lots of questions that we hope to answer online in the next few days. Uh, so everyone will receive an email with a link to access them. Um, so just a little bit more information um, that might be of interest to people. Um, so we also run online training sessions on digital accessibility, and you can find out more at abilitynet.org.uk forward slash training. Uh, we have a special code to use on our training courses for webinar attendees, and that's AbilityNet Webinar 10, uh, 1 0, to save 10% on all our courses. Uh, the courses that we have coming up, um, the next ones are in January now. Um, the first one is Introduction to Digital Accessibility, and that's a free course. And then on the 20th of January, Accessibility for Copywriters. Uh, on the 27th, uh, sorry, the 26th of January, how to deliver and sustain accessible digital learning. And then on the 27th, how to begin your own accessibility testing. And then you can also sign up to our newsletter for the latest announcements about digital accessibility. Uh, you can visit our YouTube channel and download our podcast. And we also have a suite of accessibility services for you to investigate. And then also just finally, don't forget about our next webinars which you can access at abilitynet.org.uk forward slash webinars. And on the 14th of December, we have um, a free session called How to Recognize and Promote a Neurodiverse Workforce. Um, we have speakers from Evenbreak, Lexic and the UK government. So thanks again, Anita and Robin and everyone who's joined us. Uh, and please do complete the feedback form that you'll be directed at, to at the end. And we'll be in touch with you soon. Bye, everybody. Bye. Thank you.